Jorge, it is a great pleasure to be with you and I'm delighted to be talking to you today about the advertising industry. Welcome. Hi, thank you. How are you? All is very well and, and indeed I'm very excited for our conversation today as you've been operating in this industry for, for quite some time. And to begin, Jorge, could you tell us a little bit about what you've been really thinking on and busy with in your career over the last few decades? Yeah, let me give you my, my background. I'm based in Spain. I'm an international guy. I used to work in Paris before. Currently, I'm a chief operating officer of, uh, of Abbas Media Group, which is one of the, the holding companies. There is seven in the world. And basically, my job is to manage everything uh, regarding trading, planning, data, contracts, commitments with clients, uh, everything not related to clients themselves. My, my job is to make it happen, basically. And I work both with the supply and with, uh, and with the demand. And I will try to just deliver the contracts, optimizing revenue in a compliance way for, for our clients. I'm working in the industry for 25 years plus. As you can imagine, it was a, a big transformation from the beginning to today, starting with a pretty much offline business, very TV-driven. And now it's, it's, it's a data content and, and activation through digital, which is the, the, the most important thing, even though television is still alive and kicking. And we'll talk about that. For now, on the reason these holding companies and media holding companies exist, Jorge, let's talk about maybe spin back to the early part of your career and really what the, what the right of it to exist of these companies is and what the point of a, of a holding company yeah, historically, it's the holding companies start with creative, and, and it was a full-service creative and media. I, I, I'm going back to the, I will say, 80s. It was a creative business, and media was a side, a side part to activate the wonderful 30-second or 45-second commercials produced by the creative people. In the mid-80s, the, the notion of, Media agency start. It was a French invention by Karat, which is a French company now uh, belongs to the Japanese, which just decide or, or, or propose to clients that the media was a very specialized business based on data and scale, and it was good to separate creative from media, and uh, they created trend, and we share or break down creative from media from the 90s, I would say, 90s, 2000, 2010, and media becomes very sophisticated, working with huge amount of data. We spend millions of, of dollars, every pounds, or whatever the currency, every, every year on data sources, and working on, on how to optimize prices for our clients. Digitalization changed a little bit things, and now we are, I mean, it's plenty of, it's fashion also in this, in this industry. Now we're in the model which is more integration, talking about the villages, try to connect creative with media. But the truth is, is today media and creative is pretty much separated. And uh, we have contracts for media and creative with the same clients, different contracts. And of course, we are connecting with our creative uh, friends and, and brothers and sisters, but it's still separated. And the reason of having these media, media agencies was to optimize uh, strategy and prices for our clients based on benchmark, data, and scale. If we take the situation today and take maybe a top 1,000 brand, could you map out what you've seen as the shifts between the needs 
that created the birth or that led to the birth of these agency holding companies and what those needs are today really specifically for maybe a top 100 or top 1000 consumer brand. We need to differentiate here between global brands or international brands or multi-market brands and local brands. When you have a, a multinational brand, the need for, for an agency and for a holding company is more important because they try to have consistency across markets and to have a, a, a similar product or delivery across markets. Now we're, having, we're talking with global brands, the notion of, of agency and holding company is very important. When you go to local, it's also important because, because our, our, our business is very sophisticated. Today, it's not easy to buy media, even if there is a big concentration, and we'll talk about this later. It's complex because the difference between planning well and planning badly and buying well and buying badly is millions of, of, of pounds for a, for a big client. How we optimize the right target audience, how to introduce first-party data in the equation to optimize return, how we can uh, avoid uh, bad duplication, how we can optimize reach and frequency, how we can uh, make the different touch points living together. It's so many complicated questions that today is very difficult for, for clients to work without an agency. There is some clients thinking or, or contemplating on even in-housing things, but at the end of the day, it's super complicated because it's sophisticated. We need experts touching different sectors and categories because they are better after in, in, with the client. We need to invest a huge amount of money, millions on data. We need to invest a huge amount of money on technology. It's complex. It's complex. And not too many clients manage to have integrated agencies or in-housing things. The most, when people are in-housing or clients are in-housing social, Less though, programmatic, less though because they understand that results are worse and it's more expensive to do it in-house and do it outside with an agency. The only thing clients are very keen to in-house and to protect is first-party data because data is super important assets for a client. Or if we imagine, and I'll take a number, correct me if it's way off, but if we imagine a top 100 global brand, and we just take a number where we imagine they have, say, around 500 people um, operating in their marketing activities across every activity. And if we imagine maybe historically, I don't know if it's fair to say that maybe 10% of that was in-house. The rest was outsourced to agencies, all sorts of partners. Um, so we take that 500 number, 10% in-house. What do you think, and maybe we can get specific on what types of activities are likely to be brought in-house successfully for a major global advertiser? How do you think yeah. about that? And maybe we can talk about that. I mean, in-housing in -housing is, a, is kind of a, if, if a trend, it goes on cycles. Sometimes it's, it's a big fashion to, to, to in-housing, sometimes it's complicated. Historically, some clients that have integrated agencies, I'm talking about late 90s, early, 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 early 2000. But uh, they sold them. They sold them because it was the problem of in-housing full agency is that you need turnover. You need to have people with different experience, different, different backgrounds. And when you are in a client, it's super complicated to have that because in an agency, you have 20% churn, 20% turnover. And this rich, plenty of assets to, to the agency. What is that topic that, cli that clients are in-housing more? And I can go chronologically. They start by in-housing pay search because pay search is kind of 
touching the brand and it's kind of helping to drive traffic to the website and sell more. This was something happening 15 years ago. Today, most of the clients are not in-house in pay search. It's kind of a commodity. It's tough. It's expensive to in-house. And it's most cost, more cost-efficient for clients to go to an agency, don't pay them too much, as is the case today, and ask for a lot. Then they move to social. Because social is, is kind of, you're working, you're, you're manipulating the, I will say, the, the reputation of the, of the company. But again, it was it's complicated stuff. It's very technical. You need technology and data, and it's moving back to the agency. The only thing that clients are in house in today's community management is answering on behalf of the of the client. Then we move to programmatic, where some uh, clients or plenty of clients are thinking or are or try to in house. Why? Because I think the industry didn't behave well, and some people try to make too much money with programmatic. But now the market is. I would say is compliant, is normalized. The supply chain is much, is much is better now, even if it's still not perfect. And uh, more and more clients are thinking not to in-house programmatic because it's complicated. And then lately, clients are in-housing DMP. DMP is how to manipulate their data, the first-party data. And this is a real trend. And clients want to protect their data. Data is very important. Data is one of the assets of the company. You can monetize that data. It's your clients. It's your clients' information. And it's true that what I believe that is getting in-house and will become in-house is, is the data, the DMPs, the manipulating the first-party data because it's very important for the clients. The rest, I believe that an in-house model is not the right one. I mean, I'm, I'm a working agency, perhaps I'm not a bias, but I really believe that it's better to have a, a good contract with your agency to put the right pressure, to pay based on, on FTEs and success fees and remove the model of commission-based, basically percentage on billings. And you have the right contract with the right, I will say, the right, uh, I will say, working process and working ethics. I think the best thing to do is to work with an agency because it's, it's more cost-efficient, it's cheaper, it's more flexible for the client, and I think it's, it's, it's better for results. Let's get into a bit more detail on that then and talk about the transformations that agencies have undergone and maybe the continuum, Jorge, as to where you feel like agencies need to get to really offer that competitive solution to counteract these in-housing trends. Yeah, but let me, I think it's important to understand how a holding company is built. Okay? A holding company is built based on the previous model. Previous model is what? It's a model... At the beginning, full, full of line with uh, decent or very good, or very good margins. It was a notion of agency commission, which is 15%. Media used to have 15% remuneration, talking about 20 years ago. Offline, 15%. That means that it was a very healthy business. And uh, the agencies pile on plenty of people, plenty of talent, plenty of, of manpower. The problem is that first procurement arrived to the equation, client procurements, and the 15% becomes two, three, four, five percent max, and digitalization arrives. And digitalization means what? Is fragmentation, is more actions. Because before, when you buy TV, you buy a couple of channels, 30 second formats, easy. When you go to pay search, programmatic, social, digital, you are doing millions 
of purchase or buys. Sometimes automated, some not. And it means that it's more complicated. You need more people, more invoicing people, more, more complexity, more, more tools. And basically today we are in a, in a model where we have too many people, too many people of mid-management, and this is making things very complicated. When you go to the consulting company or the lawyer firm, it's a very pyramidal. You have three or four partners or whatever, and you have a huge amount of junior people. And, you, and they are invoicing time. Our model is very few on the top, plenty on the middle, and plenty down. Plenty junior, plenty mid, and not too many up. And, we are, and the, still the current model today is commission-based. This is a killer. This is a real problem. And today, one of the problems we have today in our industry is that we have too many people. Our industry is not automated enough. It's quite interesting because we manipulate a lot of technology. We, we build technology, but our own business is not, is not automated enough because every market has a different, a different uh, planning system for media because the invoicing system are not connected with the planning system, because the different media are not connected. Today, we cannot connect television with digital, because within digital, you have the GAFA, which they don't want to agree terms, and Google has the Google way, Facebook has the Facebook way, and Amazon has the Amazon way. For all these reasons, it's very complicated. And today, we are in a business which is not automated enough, and we have too many people and too many mid-management people, which is quite expensive. And today this model is dying. It's tough. It's very tough for us to survive because we have these, I will say, endemic issues and we have plenty of risk outside. The risk outside are, you know them, it's, it's the GAFA. Today, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they don't want to work with, with middle people, with agencies. You have consulting companies the accenture of this world, they are entering the digital and they have a very good contacts at the, at the 4C level, top management level, and they have a model with no legacy. We have also the, the pure players, the specialized agencies, that they are very good on one specific thing. And you have the clients themselves, which are pitching all the time, very, and, and pitches driven, driven by procurement. To give you an idea, there is between 30 and 40% of the total business in the, in, at least in the mature markets are in re, on review every year. And every time we go in a review, we lose. Even if you win and you retain a business, you lose. Because in order to retain the business, you need to lower your remuneration, lower your prices, and promise more, more value, which is a, it's a loser. It's a, it's a lose-lose situation. And today we are in a, in very, in a very tough situation as as an industry, the, 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 the media agencies, the, the holding companies, the, 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 I would say the broad uh, media agencies. And this COVID situation is just acceleration, this, this, uh, this ending or this problem, because today, adding to all these problems I just mentioned, you have a new challenge on top, which is lack of billings, because basically our business is... Uh, sustained by billions, by scale. We can afford to have thousands of people because we have billions of billions. When the billions are down 10, 15%, which is going to be the case this year, because we miss a quarter, we miss Q2, and it's going to be tough for, for Q3, 
the whole situation changed because to give you an idea, a healthy holding company, they have a compensation rate between gross income and, uh, and compensation of around 45%, 40 and 45%, meaning that 45% of the revenue we, we obtain from clients is dedicated to people. If the business go down, revenue goes down, and this 45 becomes 50 plus. And at 50 plus, we cannot survive. And today we are in a big, in a, we are in trouble. I mean, our, our industry is in trouble. You, I mean, you read, you read, uh, you read the press, you read the press outside, and every single holding company has, they are making restructuring, they're cutting things, they are closing agencies, they are reducing the, the, the office space. I mean, it's, it, we are in a, we are facing a very complicated situation because of the COVID and mainly because we were already in a, in, in a tricky situation. In terms of where these holding companies need to get to, to offer competitive solutions and really have an impact on this pendulum swing, as you were saying, towards in-housing. Of course, there's these other threats all the way from disintermediation from the Google, Amazon, Facebooks of this world, and a number of other variables that you mentioned around consulting company competition. Um, But Parke, really to look at this question of where the model needs to get to and what sort of transformations need to happen in that model. What is most crucial to understand there? Okay, this is, the, I mean, this is a list of things we need to do to, to try to, to survive and to continue growing. First thing is we need to reduce compensation. We need to have less talent, better talent. We need to upgrade our talent and we need to be able to do with less. In order to do with less, we need automation and we need to invest heavily in automation. We also need to be much higher in the chain of value. Today, we... We are perceived by our clients as people implementing, executing. And we need to be perceived as people helping to solve problems, helping to, to sell more, helping to optimize things. And we need to scale the ladder of value. We are very low down. And we need to be able to optimize the equation of content, data, and activation. This is for me the the most important challenge we have, which are not, are not easy. And also we need, to, the last ones, we need to change the way we sign our contract with our clients. We need to change our model. We need to be a model based on success, based on revenue sharing, based on business results, and less on media execution on percentage of billings. And we have plenty of challenge to, 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 to manipulate. When you talk about investing heavily in automation, could we explore that a bit further? Yeah, but today we have 100 million billions. We have, I would say, around 25 which are automated. Okay, automated in the buy-in, so working on social, on perform, on, on pay search, or on programmatic. The rest is is still iOS. It's still sending emails, or almost. Okay, first thing. Second thing, the the different touch points are not connected, meaning that when you buy TV and you are digital, you're buying different, you using different systems. Okay, and it's complicated. Three is reporting. Reporting is we still spend, you have hundreds of people working on reporting. We need to improve how we, we can API the different source of data to have automated reporting and we can concentrate talent on insights and not doing reporting. And the four is back office. Today we invoice, we paid millions of invoices, millions of purchase orders. And it's complicated. And we need to try to find a way to also better connect planning and back office 
an automate back office. We automate everything. Basically, is planning, trading, invoicing, reporting. We have pieces of this. When you work in a multinational company, it's even more complicated because the planning process, the trading process, the invoicing process are different country by country. The reference are different. The legislation is different. The usage, the use and, and rules of the industry are different. Uh, it's complicated. So we need to, this is one of the challenges we have. On the level of, if we look at a brand's need for formulating marketing and branding strategies, so at the very beginning of that journey, Jorge, how would you contrast or how could we look and how do you look at the threat from these consultants and MarTech companies and what a holding company really can say about their value add relative to some of these newer players, whether it's Accenture or Deloitte that have been really refining propositions. What's the answer? I mean, we have, we have a big advantage versus these people, Accenture or, the, or this world. First thing is we can deliver a full service. We know how to do strategy. We, we are the best place to manipulate technology and data. We can connect with the creative side, with the copy, and we can execute. And we can execute both offline and online together. We can mix the panel world and ID world. Accenture, I mean, they are very good. They are good, good thinking. They have a very good process, thinking process, but they cannot execute. What's the advantage of Accenture of these worlds? They have no legacy. They don't have 20,000 people doing offline media, as we have. And they have access to the, to the C-suite. They have access to the top management, which unfortunately we are not seeing today like the partners able to deliver value or deliver more value. Today, we are our maximal, I mean, we, we talk to the media director, to the e-commerce director, eventually the CMO. Accenture is talking to the CEOs. And he's talking to the CEOs about transformation, about digital transformation, about business transformation. And we often, we, we need to ask, answer questions about media optimization. That's a big difference. Then we need to move from touch points, media, to business, to business questions. And we need to focus on business results. How I'm going to increase your sales? How I'm going to increase your brand equity? How I'm going to uh, produce incremental sales? How I'm going, this kind of uh, questions we need to be able to answer. I think we are the best place to do it, but we, we are not perceived by our clients as the key partner to answer these questions. So it's a matter of perception. It's a matter also that we need to increase talent. We, we, need to, we need to try to conquer the consulting space, but today we are not there. We are not perceived like consultants, like people adding value, and people solving business issues. And, and we need to move from execution to execution plus, plus also consulting, I would say, and, and, and fixing business, business problems. That's really helpful to understand that clearly, Jorge. It, on the level of creative and creative strategy as it relates to digital, so we have these faster, better, cheaper, so-called creative operators, Brainworks, you and Mr. Jones. There's these businesses. Could, could we talk about how holding companies are positioned against or for competition against those types of innovative, creative digital services? Yeah, I mean, the creative side, they, they have similar issues as media, I would say, because the creative sites 
was Billaron Television. The model of, of the holding company agency, of course, evolved, but it's still built on, let's do great creative. Business model is great creative, great pieces of TV or audiovisual content, very expensive on production, okay? And after you decline this in the whole touch point of the whole campaign. But agency is changing today, and we're changing because the way consumers are using or consuming content is different. We are working on the quick content, on the social media, on the digital, on the, we need to renovate content all the time. And today the modern agencies or the, or the new next generation of agencies are content producers, low production costs, plenty of new content every day. And it's complicated because our model of agency is not this one. The traditional, the, the mad men, <laughs> the mad men you watch on TV is not that. And now the modern agency is based on data and analytics, understanding the consumer and producing continuous fast content to deliver the needs the, the consumer have in terms of content. I mean, there is something in the middle, of course, I'm giving you the two extremes. And I know that holding companies are evolving towards this, but it's complicated because still you have plenty of energy, too much compensation, processes are to, need to be changed. At the new agency, they have no legacy. I mean, if I need to build now a new agency, I will do an agency based on social data and activation. I will find 30 kids, very creative, provided with very sophisticated forms, go to the streets and find me content. This is a model of vice, this is a model of social media. And this is something which is, is working well. And now when you have this content, how you can activate and how you optimize this content through organic and paid, how you can, through analytics and data, optimize results and insights and start again. And uh, this is complicated for both media and traditional media and, and creative agencies to do it because, because of legacy, because process, because people, because also perception. No stuff. I mean, we need to evolve, we need to change. And I insist, I believe that COVID is going to help us to, to change this and to, and to restructure and to, and to get fitter for the new times. We spoke about this trend of in-housing a little earlier. On the topic of media planning and buying and some of the businesses that have emerged there, Jellyfish, again, Brainworks, how do you look at competition from those players that are effectively helping the clients do more, helping major brands do more themselves and the value that they're creating? Yeah, I mean, clients are looking for more consulting. Clients are looking for lower prices. Clients are looking to rationalize the, the agency portfolio. And you see that the Unilever of this world, they are reducing drastically the number of agencies. And clients are using proactivity and reactivity and to be very quick in the process. This new agency, what we're doing is, is they are creating a, a, a project teams, hybrid teams with content data and activation capabilities, and they are merging all the disciplines together. Uh, we have more issues to do that in the holding companies because it's less agile. We are less agile than, than other companies. You see, you see agencies like Publicis or WPP, they have so many, so many different legal entities, so many different PLs. They, we all try to create the power of one, the village, they, 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 but it's complicated because it's too many egos, it's too, it's too much legacy. And the new generation of agents, they don't have that. They are, they have, they are more agile, they're smaller, they are less, less fat, I would say, more, more fitter, and they, they focus on 
what the clients are expecting. And I think this is a, an advantage. This is an advantage of, of, of being new after, let's face it, we have plenty of assets they don't have. We are able to manage the clients multinationally, which is very complicated. When you have a client who wants to have a, a advertising or media in 50 plus countries, it's complicated. We have this every day. Same process, same, same, same reporting, same, 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 same training for the teams, same way of working. When the client is asking payment terms of 200 days, which believe me, unfortunately is happening, you need to have the financial muscle before uh, behind you to, to make it happen. I mean, we have plenty of assets. We are reliable. We're strong holding companies. We know how to do things. We deliver the commitments. We have, we are compliant. We, we have plenty of assets, but we are missing this, uh, I will say this agility, agility or this flexibility to sometimes go higher in the funnel with the clients. And on the last element of uh, sort of major pools of risk that, that we've talked about, Jorge, on the subject of this risk of disintermediation that's talked about with Facebook, Google, Amazon, and and the ease uh, that brands are increasingly finding of, of working directly with these businesses. What are the limits there, and how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you see how Google, for instance, or Amazon uh, are, are behaving, less Facebook, but also in some degree, they believe they don't need us. And which is interesting, people like in, in Google, they have thousands of people just talking to clients. Because they can, because they feel rich, because they have so much cash, so much money that they can't afford that. And by the way, these companies are not very efficient. Google, Facebook, Amazon, they are not efficient. They're very siloed. They have too many people. They're very vertical. They just own the category or different categories. And they are filthy rich and they have cash rich and they can afford not to be efficient. But they're not very, they're not necessarily the most efficient companies because they are creating a very complicated process and very vertical and very centralized. I think this, this uh, the willingness to kill us, or to, sorry, to kill us, to, to not to work with us is changing because clients understand the value of the middle of the, of the agency. Because let's be clear, what's the objective of Google? The objective of Google is not to optimize client results. The objective of Google is to place as much inventory as possible to the client. They want to sell as much YouTube, as much page search, as much technology as possible, regardless of the results. Our job, we don't care. We are media agnostic. We are channel agnostic. If we are paid properly based on FTEs, people involved in the business, and success fees, we just want one objective, which is optimize client results, because we can obtain more revenue and clients are is happy and, and stay with us. So we have different ambitions, different goals regarding, regarding uh, the, the, the GAFA. And the, because the GAFA, they want to place the inventory. Let's be clear. I mean, Facebook, they, they want to sell Facebook and Instagram. This is the job. Having said that, they have a great product. Both Google and Facebook, they are performing well because they are very good. Google have very good inventory, compliance, very high viability per se, they're in a monopoly situation, and they have a great technology because they are investing every month a lot of money, millions of dollars on technology. And they can. They can afford to have a great product, and they, have, and they are great partners. But the goal is to sell inventory. And our job is and should be to optimize client results, which is very difficult, very different objective. So I have hope because I believe we have this 
this uh, agnosticity that allow us to, to support our clients. And, and I believe that GAFA, they don't have that. I mean, because not because they are doing something wrong, it's because their goal is to sell advertising, is the model. And I think we have a chance. I think we are, I would say, learning to work better with them, even if it's a very weird situation, because normally we are clients of Google, but sometimes they forget about that because they are so big and so powerful. But this is the way it is, and I think we... We work well, we collaborate well, and we try to we try to do the best for our clients. WVP is one of Google's biggest clients. Interesting. Absolutely, enough, right? absolutely, right. absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's true because the relationship is, is not always clear, and, and and because they are, of course, we are clients of Google, but Google is 20, 30, 50, 60 times bigger than us. And they have almost more people engaging with our clients than ourselves because they can they can afford it. To look at um, Jorge, in the time we have left, what has surprised you maybe about the way advertising by channel has evolved in the last few years? I, one anecdote, you know, I'm looking around why TV maybe unexpectedly is held up so strongly. What's going on on the channel level that's really interesting? I, I can, I can, <clears throat> I have two, I would say two insights which are quite interesting. First thing is TV is alive and this is very, TV is pretty much alive and this is very important. Uh, I mean, remember with the digital arrive, you said it's the end of linear television, TV is dead. TV is not dead, TV is growing. TV is growing uh, year on year. A lot of it's inflation, but growing. Viewing is growing, and you see, you see, oh, with this confinement and COVID and lockdown, TV consumption went up, despite of the Netflix and Disney of this world. TV, linear TV, was, went up also because news, because so many good things, because of sport. TV is up, and linear television is not going to die, <clears throat> not yet, not yet. And and the GAFA are not stealing money from TV. It's the next battle, the big battle. And I believe that TV is still, uh, is still strong for at least four or five years. For me, the, the real shift from television is when the millennials will be the head of households because you're going to change everything. Where the CMOs, client side, and the consumer are people completely digital native, thinking digital all the time, linear television will be in trouble. But by the time, it's going to evolve with programmatic television and other ways of uh, engaging with consumers. That's the first, I would say, the first, the first insight which is very important. TV is alive, TV is kicking, TV is more cost efficient versus digital when you want to reach a universal broad target audience. You want to reach, I don't know, couple with kids in the US, nationwide, TV is much more efficient than any online video because the inventory is super broad, because the CPM is lower, because viewability is very good, which is no fraud, because you're buying programs for plenty of good reasons. First insight. Second insight. Digital was the promise of fragmentation. Digital was the hope of everyone can make it and everyone can challenge and everyone can do things. And it's true because when you buy programmatically on, on, on DB360 or MediaMat of Adobe, someone in a garage can buy as well as us holding company with thousands of people. But at the end of the day, digital didn't bring fragmentation. And today is quite interesting because you can almost invest 100 million in the US with four or five partners. Two networks, 
Google, Facebook, and Amazon, you can spend $100 million. That means today we are in a huge concentration. It's the opposite of fragmentation. I mean, Facebook and Google, they have 70% of digital spend. When you add to this the two or three networks, TV networks in each country, the UK, you have ITV, Channel 4, Sky, Google, and Facebook, you have 80 plus percent of the investment on media. And this is worrying. This is worrying, and COVID is accelerating this trend. What happened in COVID? COVID means what? Means that small players are struggling. Gas issues, they have problems to, to end the month, they can disappear. They're going to try to sell their assets to big ones. People like Google and Facebook or Amazon, first during the COVID, the reduction of billings were low, then 15% max in the, in the Q2, now are growing up again. And when you are a client and you have less budget and uncertainty, what do you do? You invest in, this, in the sure values. You're going to invest in the vendors, you think they're not going to default. You're going to invest in Google and Facebook and Amazon, Amazon for a retail or for, or for pay search. And it's the way it is. That means that the post-COVID situation is going to amplify this concentration because small players are going to die, are going to be sold, they're going to struggle. In terms of technology, Google is trusting the market more and more in terms of ad serving, in terms of DSP, in terms of SSP, in terms of cloud is Amazon and Google. I mean, we are facing a, a, an amplified concentration, which is, I believe, never good for a business. Concentration is lack of, is less creativity, is less differentiation, is less think out, of, out of the box thinking. It's never perfect. It's never great. And today we are moving towards this, this amplified concentration. Maybe just before I, I pick up on that, Jorge, I wanted to ask you about, maybe it does tie into the topic of concentration, what Google and Facebook can do in the brand advertising space and whether they pose a meaningful threat as the industry evolves to get involved in actually brand building. Um, and if you think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think both Google and Facebook are moving more from branding to performance and in retail because the growth of the business is performance. And, and uh, today, more than 50% of the advertising spend is on performance, performance related. And COVID crisis is going to accelerate this because people are looking for short-term sales. I mean, Google is a lot of things. Google is, is YouTube. YouTube is branding. YouTube is branding. is video. is TV. YouTube is TV. And YouTube is positioned as a TV competitor. Uh, pay search is both. It's obviously performance and it's obviously branding to protect the brand. But Google and Facebook are very scared of Amazon. Amazon has one thing which is very important. Amazon understand the purchase model, funnel, and uh, consumers or users are go, go to Amazon to buy and to do a transaction. And the problem of Google and Facebook is you don't do transaction on Google and Facebook. And both Google and Facebook are are pushing a lot of the shopping capabilities. Every day on, on a specialized trade press, you have Google launching Google Shopping, Facebook launching Facebook Pay. Uh, every day you have news on, on a, new, and a new feature to try to optimize sales within the Google and Facebook ecosystem because they're scared. Because basically when you do pay search, what are you doing? You click to go to the website client, client website. When you go to Amazon, you stay in Amazon because you want to buy a product. 
and today the model is evolving to the Chinese model. I explain myself. Today, in, 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 in outside China, you have page search, Google, video, YouTube, and, and Facebook, social media, Facebook, e-commerce, Amazon. And Amazon is more hybrid because they have uh, Amazon Plus, has tweets, there's engagement there. And when you go to China, all platforms are page search, social media, e-commerce. They try to have a, a full ecosystem. And uh, Facebook and Google are working towards that because they're very scared to less relevancy against Facebook, against Amazon. This for me is a big challenge. Big challenge is not branding, because branding dollars are going to be reduced and it's going to performance. <clears throat> Another is a new concept called brandformance, which is doing both together, which is always very weird because branding KPIs and performance KPIs are they contradict to each other very often. But today clients are more often asking for, I want to increase brand equity and sell more, which is tough. It's tough because not the same touch points, not the same strategies, not the same way of doing. But the market is moving more towards return investment, performance, and sales.